Kia ora mai, kia ora mai, and welcome back to another episode of the Beside Podcast here uh, with yours truly, Hips, Hips Effects, Whore Hipper, whatever it is you want to call me. Um, but yes, awesome to be back with another episode, and this one, um, metaphorically, but also literally, very close to home. Uh, this fella that we're catching up with today, uh, we've known each other for a while, but we haven't actually, we hadn't actually sat down and had a massive corridor like this, so it was cool to catch up with Ben and get to know each other a little bit more uh, intimately, dare I say. Um, when the world gets a bit tough or times get a bit hard, where do you go and who who is it that you turn to? Oh, in this episode of Best Side, catching up with introverted photographer Ben Darth, whose life took a dramatic shift uh, when he was surprisingly involved in a house fire that destroyed the house and nearly took his life. And it took a bit of time as well that Ben is now determined to get back. This corridor teeters between some pretty dark moments, the bro contemplating suicide, uh, nightmares that haunted him during um, his induced coma, uh, which is a crazy corridor, make sure you listen for that one, and a lot of self-doubt that crept in. But we also get to hear some pretty illuminating moments too, from community support to the nostalgia that he got to experience, uh, and a real sense of purpose that this whole thing has given Ben. Um, it unearths his walk in a, in a fire and it's breathed a bit of air into his newfound purpose uh, that he's found with life. So, Fano, it was my pleasure to bring you this episode and it was awesome to sit down with the bro. Trigger warning that this corridor does come, you know, with corridor around mental health and things like suicide and all that sort of carry on. So, if you do need to corridor, Call the number 0800-111-757. It's 0800-111-757. Or you can text the talk now to 1737. It is text 1737. Here it is, Fano. I've called this one When Light Meets Dark with Ben Darth. Kia ora mai. Well, Fano... Um I'm excited for this in a weird way. Yeah. I'm a little bit apprehensive too, <laughs> only because, you know, we've spoken about what we've spoken about when we caught up briefly over coffee. And even for me, that was like, I mean, I just said to you before, like, it's amazing the way that you're approaching this whole topic. Yeah. Um, but f- before we get into like the matter at hand, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm just keen to know more a little bit about you, bro, because I mean, obviously, we've both kind of grown up around here and being in each other's circles a bit but we actually don't really yeah. know each other that super yeah, well yeah. yeah yeah and it's just one of those hey do you know ben yeah how uh you plymouth yeah, so you know sure. that's that's usually yeah. my answer that's so how it works um so are you born and raised here tell me about i was born in palmerston north but i moved here when i was like two so pretty much born and raised yeah. here yeah don't remember anything about no. me obviously yeah and what do you know what brought your parents here uh family yeah, all my family's from here. They just had some friends there. And, and Palmy? Yeah. And that's yeah. what took them down there? Yeah. So how, are you, you got siblings and stuff? Yeah, so my sister, she lived in Melbourne, and my brother lived in Sweden. Oh. Mm. And where are you on the, the hierarchy I'm of the things? Youngest, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the spoiled yeah. youngest, would they say? Probably, yeah. <laughs> and their yeah. words, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And my older siblings yeah. always tend to... Th- I'm the youngest of mine, bro. Well, I was for a long time, actually. I got a, I got a younger brother, but yeah. um, he didn't come along until I was about nine. So, yeah. it was a bit of time. Yeah, I'm sure that's been said. <laughs> <laughs> cool, bro. So, what's your, like, earliest memory? 
I know it's a bit of a random question, but oh, it's tough. Oh shit! What's one of the first thing you first things you kind of remember? Even if you're like, I know you might be thinking, I don't know. Like it's hard to think of. Just give me something from when you were younger. Probably my family would always go camping in the mount every year. So that's probably yeah. So we'd go camping every summer and. What do you remember about it specifically? Just being in a tent and having barbecues and yeah. Do you quite like camping? Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm at an oxymoron with it, bro. Yeah. Like I actually asked that the other day. People are like, do you like camping? I was like, it's funny. I actually used to do it heaps as a kid, but yeah. like now that I'm older, I'm a little bit like, not really. Yeah, maybe. I had dad setting everything up, I'd probably... Yeah. <laughs> dad putting up yeah, the tent yeah. and everything, you'd yeah. take along. It was easy then. Mm. Yeah. What schools and stuff did you go to? I went to St. John Bosco and Fitzroy. Cool. And Francis Douglas. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So you grew up in Fitzroy? Mm, Wellborn. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. And so tell me about what, what was Little Ben like? He was a lot more chatty than the older Ben. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, got shy along the way. Yeah. Any ideas where that might have come from? Um, no. Got it out of my system when I was young, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I read this theory. Um, I can't remember actually which culture it comes from, but I did read a theory like everyone in their life has got like. A finite amount of words yeah like you know say let's just say it's like a million i'm sure it's more and then yeah, you either use them you know so you people either kind of even temper throughout life mm -hmm. or go hard when they're younger yeah. and then chill when they're older yeah. or chill when they're younger yeah. and then go hard when they're older yeah, to get yeah, them yeah. all out sounds like it makes a bit of sense that theory yeah. with you yeah for sure so what are the big differences between little ben and big ben this is so funny this is not a conversation i was expecting to have yeah um <laughs> Yeah, definitely that. Uh, that's a tough question. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, how do you kind of think and try to remember stuff when you're younger? Yeah, I haven't even thought of it. Something to ponder, maybe? Yeah. So transitioning through, like, school and stuff like that, did you enjoy school? Or no. were you one of those people who... No. Was it... What was it about school you didn't enjoy? It was very... If you didn't play rugby, you weren't really in the welcome, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So it was. This is something that of, comes up a lot. I kind of felt like a bit of an outsider because I was heavily into skateboarding. So I would be hanging out with a lot of people. Because you'd go to the skate park, you'd hang out with whoever, really. And it's not so much about your age or anything so i was hanging out with a lot of older people a lot of young people so it wasn't really people from school and i was really just sticking around school for the photography class and once i got to that year where you could do it it was mainly like when cameras were made and uh. kind of the history of it not so much so i was like oh, i'm out of here not the actual application of it yeah yeah that's strange i never mm. knew that i'm sure like you get into that but i was ready to go so yeah i kind of just threw myself 
and the day being them would just take photos. I was kind of a piece of shit for a while. Just you mean at school or just in general? No, I left. <laughs> I left school and I was just hanging out at the skate park all day. And but that was probably the best thing because I was just taking photos of skating, which is quite a hard subject to take photos of. So it taught me quite a lot. When you say it's hard, what's hard about it? They're moving so fast and <laughs> it's hard to like capture that perfect. It's funny you say that. There's a friend when we had the um, the blood moon the other mm -hmm. night. I have a friend who's like a, he's, what would you call it? There's a word for it. It's like an action sports photographer or something. Yep. You know, he takes like photos for rugby mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And he said he found that easy. And he tried to take a picture of the blood moon and they all turned out not great. Yeah, he thinks yeah, it's like, yeah. that's so... Different thing. It's so weird how I can take something running or someone running or a ball bouncing yeah. at X amount of speed. Something that's standing still in the sky, I can't even... Yeah. But it is different, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, it's like you always see in the newspaper, like the newspaper photographer will go down to the skate park and there'll be a photo of someone and it's just them in the sky. You have no clue what they're doing because you can't see the ramp or anything. So yeah. like, you kind of. I, like, I, like, I like get a sense that it pisses you off when no, you yeah. see that. And not to like call them out or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's just something you just, notice. They just don't. They don't know. So you kind of have to be in it to like yeah. do it justice, I suppose. You gotta have that experience and that perspective yeah. and that understanding, eh? Yeah. With um, I want to kind of flick back to the to the rugby thing because that's something that's come up a lot with mm -hmm. with conversations I've had with other people. Do you think that is something that's been like it's kind of something that's been prevalent throughout the whole region? Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Because I imagine in skating circles, it's probably a common conversation, right? Like, yeah, just because I know a lot of my skate mates, like, you know, they're like, oh, rugby jocks and yeah, all this sort of stuff. I guess it's kind of like rebelling against it, I suppose. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I definitely kind of learned, like, in my 20s for sure, late teens, early 20s, that there's this, like, <laughs> rugby was kind of like a representation of, I guess, of a system of sorts, you know, that kind of yeah. macho-ness. Um, and that whole thing too, like you said, like you didn't you you didn't get welcomed in if yeah. you weren't yeah. part of that. I mean, I was never an amazing rugby player, but I legit, bro, got the oh you're big and brown, you can play. Right. Like that's kind of what it was. Yeah. And so I used to play. So then they kind of got me into, I guess, got me the access. But then I had a lot of friends who skated, yeah. and I would see it all the time. And like I would roll up to parties and stuff, and there'd be scraps and shit yeah, because yeah, yeah. you know like. And it worked both ways. Like the rugby dudes were definitely like, ah, oh, these fucking loser skate yeah, rats. Yeah. And then the skaters were like, ah, oh, yeah, these fucking sure. meathead jocks. And then I'd just be like, fuck. And then it was on. Yeah. You used to see a lot of that too? Oh, yeah. It's cool. You're amongst today. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd go too well in that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's kind of cool, like, growing out of it as well. Yeah. Like, everyone just kind of puts it to the side when you're a bit older. Yeah, when you're older, you, you realise that everyone's, like, was just doing the best with what they had, right? Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, people probably just looking for camaraderie and friendship, and they found them in, like, 
an example of that was found in those groups. Yeah. I always found it interesting, and I know you'd know some too. I'm not going to mention them by name because I don't want to call them out or whatever. But I always found it interesting when you'd get brothers and one was one and the other was the other. Mm. Because that used to happen a lot, eh? Right. And that would be so funny. Like you rock up to parties yeah. and there'd be like a big rumble <laughs> yeah. and then like the brothers or whatever would just be by themselves like, well, we can't, can't get really get into this. Yeah. No, no, because it's going to yeah. put me at odds against my brother. Yeah. I've got mum to answer to. Yeah. So tell me about skating. What, like, how did that start? I think straight Tony Hawk pro skater. Awesome. Just, I think I got it for my birthday or Christmas or the first something. One? Yeah, yep. And just got into it after that. That's <laughs> fucking cool. I've never actually met anyone that was like, inspired oh, so much really? by that no i mean i, I imagine they're all was, up there yeah that's a very common thing i think because i remember at the time when that game came out he got so much shit for like being a bit of a sellout oh okay so it's interesting now that on the flip side yeah that that game has actually got more people into the scene yeah i guess i was so young i wouldn't have even known yeah that that, that was going on so i was just like it's a cool video game for sure, but uh, for me, so yeah, just interesting knowing that it was the narrative of the time. Yeah, that he was getting a bit of shit, yeah. and he was saying to people, "Now nah, hold faith, like this is actually going to help us." Mm. And and I know that he went on to use a lot of that money for building more parks and stuff. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend I know everything that happens <laughs> with with his money, yeah. but and I remember that being a big beefy thing. Yeah. So then, how does it transition from being a video game to you actually jumping on a board? Do you kind of see that and go, fuck, I'm going to buy a skateboard? Or what happens then? I think my brother just had maybe one in the shed or something, and I'd just be out in the driveway for hours every day and, yeah, just carried on. And then how do you graduate from that to, like, going to a park and doing it in front of people? They can see you and like might have something to say about it. I guess I was just too young to even think like that. It was more just like I'd go there and get in everyone's way and be the dude that you look at now and go, fuck, get out yeah, of the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, who's bringing these kids here? Eh? <laughs> and meanwhile, you remember you used to be yeah. that kid. Yeah. Funny, write a passage, eh? Yeah. So then how do you go from writing the board to, to getting into the, the photography side of it? I guess it was just such a big part of my life and I knew that I wanted to do something with it, but I knew I wasn't good enough to go pro or anything like that. So I kind of just started filming my friends and taking photos and uh, a few photographers from Auckland would come here and I'd see all their gear set up and be like real influenced and just got real real into it that way. Awesome. Mm. A few but some role models came down yeah. and gave you some insight. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, my like biggest goal was just to get a skate photo printed in a magazine. And that was How old were you when you thought of that? Probably like 15, 16. And then I had a photo printed in the magazine and just, yeah, 
because I'm juggling what I wanted at all. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna ask, was it a thing where you saw it went yes, or no, you're like, actually, like, this doesn't feel how I thought it would. Yeah, high hope. What was the difference between the dream and the reality? What were the things that you thought that I guess what were you, what were your expectations versus what really happened? It was more just like I saw it and then it's like, okay, what's next? Mm. Which is good, but I guess you're never really satisfied. You thought it would bring some finality when you got yeah, it done, eh? Yeah. But it actually made you think, okay, what are we going to yeah. do now? Yeah, for sure. So when those guys used to come down from Auckland, did you used to talk to them about your <laughs> ambitions and wanting to do it as, say, a career or just wanting to be more than... No, that's what it was at the time or you just I didn't it? even know that at the time mm -hmm. it was more like they would come here and we'd take them to places that we thought would be good for them to take photos and I'd kind of just be watching and thought that was not pretty cool and then you'd see their photos and yeah it was real inspiring really yeah and then when that all started to take off. So, okay, your photo's being printed. What do you, what, what goals do you start setting after that? I guess it kind of just, I remember Sean from Jet Charm, actually, he messaged me and was like, oh, can you come take some photos of the barbers? And my whole world was skateboarding. So I was kind of just like, what, what do you even mean? Like, <laughs> So you mean barber skateboarding? Like, yeah, cool. I'll come along and guess I kind of realised there's a lot more out there than just skateboarding. There's also not a lot of not a lot of money involved in skate photography, unfortunately. Mm. So art's always been one of those things, right? That's been kind of at times can be real hard to commodify. Yeah. Or can you know hard to make it into a living? Yeah. It seems to be like a steep. You know, it's not like a gradual build up. There seems to be like a steep, and now, oh, I mean, yeah. this is just from the outside looking in, bro. Tell me if I'm wrong, oh, but there just seems yeah. to be like a steep, like I don't, I don't know how to say it. Like you're, I don't say you're in or you're out, but there's a steep difference between like going from doing it recreationally. Oh yeah, and then all of a sudden you're pro or whatever you want Massive. to call it. Yeah. What What do you think that ascension is? Oh, just like non-stop work yeah <laughs> you go to work wherever you work to pay the bills but then in your spare time you're focusing on that putting together projects and yeah, portfolios for free and... not making any money and yeah talk, let's talk about that then because I mean there's a couple of things to dissect here when how were your parents when you kind of started pursuing this stuff? Were they all good with it? Just because I know when it comes to like, say, professional sports or pursuing mm -hmm. an art, sometimes parents, they can, and not because not they're uh, like bad people or anything, mm -hmm. they just want to protect their kids and, and those aren't really safe routes. Yeah. Was there a bit of fear projected onto you from your olds when you started doing that stuff or not? They were cool. No, they were super supportive of it. I never... I guess it was never really like I'm gonna do this for a career sort of thing. I yep. was kind of just doing it as a hobby, and then it started to okay, I do want to do this. So yeah, no, but they've always been super supportive. Like I come from quite a creative family, so 
Awesome. Yeah. So tell me about your family then. What sort of creative stuff are they involved with? Like my mum's really into sewing and always making like quilts and whatnot. And my sister's very, like she makes candles and very Pinteresty. And She's <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna write that somewhere. My yeah. sister's very Pinteresty. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon that's a compliment. Yep. And I wouldn't have a yeah. clue, man. I look at, I, I like, I'm gonna sound like a dinosaur here, but I, I battle to navigate it. Yeah. Like I have to keep it kind of, real, like, boxed in with my socials. Yeah. Because otherwise, man, you can spend all day doing that oh, stuff. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. And there's people. I mean, there's obviously people that do. Yeah. I get, I get a lot of grief from my mates because the way I've got things set up, it gives kind of the illusion that I'm on there a lot more than what I am because I schedule it out, yeah. like, you know. Right. And so like we'll be sitting somewhere. And then a photo will go up. We'll be up for coffee or something. Yeah. A photo will go up. They'll be like, did you shady off to do, you know, go to the bathroom? <laughs> did you go to the bathroom just to do that post? Yeah. And I'm just like, man, I'm not going to explain to you how this works because yeah. a lot of them don't get it because they don't care, you know. So, super cool. All right. Yeah. Must inv and invite myself more with Pinterest. Yeah. And then my brother is a graphic designer and like motion graphics and whatnot. Cool. But animation stuff? Yeah. And then, I don't even know where to start with my dad, he's <laughs> crazy. He's just, ever since I was young, he always had something going on, like he was in the shed making wine or something. He's really good at painting and he makes these guitars out of cigar boxes and yeah, I can't keep up. He's awesome, man. Like I got to um, meet him briefly at the fundraiser. Mm -hmm. I'd never met him before. And um, we just, you know, chopped it up and had a chat after I, I bought a piece in the auction uh, from, from our mate Charlotte. Yeah. And um, I had, was having a brief chat with him. And I got that feeling from him that he was a real DIY sort oh, yeah. of um, tinkering dad. Yeah. That would kind of be like, no, I'm not going to pay someone to do it. I'll figure out how to do it myself. You yeah. know, I got that vibe from him. Sure. So that's cool that you say that. Yeah. Yeah, so, he had the time of his life that night. Oh, man, the, the the emotion that was coming from your parents, man, was pretty cool. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was awesome. Like, like as I say, as someone who never, doesn't know your family super well or anything like that, and, you know, even our connection wasn't super tight or anything, mm -hmm. um, but just knowing, you know, what, you, what you've done for the community and things like that and, you know, the odd beer that we have had together, we've always had a good time. So yeah, sure. I was like, man, no, you know, I'm going to check it out. And it was such a cool night. And we'll definitely touch on that night. Yeah. And what that meant to you as well, because I know that had a pretty profound effect on, on you when we caught up. So we'll, we'll definitely chat yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. So with, um, with the <laughs> photography, and we talked about your parents being super supportive, was there any sort of, even with the skating, because they're both... Skating and photography, I guess, uh, are kind of, not so much now, but definitely at the time, right? They would have been considered like not social norms, let's say, or like against the grain yeah. um, pursuits. As they're, what, what are the biggest resistances that come with those? You don't have to speak specifically to them, but just, I guess, what some of the biggest, so I mean, for example, we've already talked about like pay, sort of. Yeah. Because I can imagine like there's so many people that are like, Hey, can you come photograph, um, photograph this, photograph? Can you come photograph this? We're not going to pay you though. It's just like promotion or whatever. 
yeah. Well, that stuff happens, right? Yeah. Well, I guess the only thing growing up, my, we just talked about my dad and how he's DIY and all that. He also loves his sports. So they would push me to play cricket and whatnot. And I was actually quite good at cricket as much as I hated it. Yeah. So they... You're quite tall, bro, so they, that makes sense, you know, because, yeah. you know... So they would always push me for that. And I'd just want to go to the skate park and they're like, you've got cricket. <laughs> so when I stopped playing, I think that's kind of the what you're getting at with the... How it's a bit against the grain. Mm. Like, they, um, yeah, they hadn't considered that it wasn't something you didn't want to do right yeah. and you wanted to do this other thing yeah. that's what it sounds like you like you sparkled a little bit when you mentioned cricket so like was that a you were actually quite good so it's ironic that you didn't want to play or was it that you actually didn't mind playing at the time you just preferred to be skating no yeah i hated it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sorry dad yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. oh that's awesome bro so then um fast forward and obviously you've been working at you've been working at the skating for a while and then working at the photography you have that catch up with sean and um it kind of opens your world to the fact that there's more things to photograph and yeah. um video as well because you don't just do photos yeah. um you're in the video realm well actually you can school me on this which photography would include video wouldn't it so i could still say photography or no no okay so you'd say videography or just video I know you see like photography so, and videography. Yeah. All right, cool, cool. Yeah. So these are the things that obviously you know. Yeah. I have no clue about. So yeah. <laughs> it's good for me to learn this shit. Yeah. What are, actually? Let's let's go there. What are some other misconceptions around the industry or things that people like? What are some pet peeves that you have that people do? There must be a few. And not, I mean, obviously, the game here isn't to call people out for saying shit wrong. It's just there's got to be some stuff that you joke about with photography mates about. You know, you go to a wedding and people say to you, you need to do X, Y, Z or whatever, and you're kind of like, this never works. <laughs> I don't think it's really answering your question, but mm -hmm. like Instagram filters. It's a pet peeve. Just don't even, <laughs> yeah. I knew that was like something that you weren't keen on. And when, um, when I, when you gave me that photo, when we caught up last time yeah. with, with the rubbish bin, I was nearly going to do it just to see if it got a rise out of you. I'm glad I did it now. I remember doing it. I remember swiping them on and I was like, I'm pretty sure we had a conversation about this being a big no-no. Yeah. And then I was like, but the bro's pretty low-key. Like, I don't know if he would say anything to me. I was like, nah, but it's different, you know, when it's someone you know, you kind of do pull them up. Yeah. But I remember just I think like, it's ah. more the, like, the stories when people are, like, adding rain to shit and just yeah don't get me started mm. so tell me all right i won't then I'll, I'll, I'll take the hint yeah so what is it about photography bro that 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 lights you up because even that there that recognition like of the grain let's say the mm -hmm. grain don't even so there's got to be a reason for that or that comes from a place so and I know like the things that I have value in or things that I'm passionate about, there's a reason why I'm passionate about and then a reason why I believe they have value and yeah. should be remained sacred, I guess. Yeah. And I feel like you're very similar with your yeah. photography. Yeah. What is it about it that well, lights you up? I, it's just kind of always been a thing for me. Like I would, when I was really young, my 
if I'd go on holiday with my friends or something that my parents would buy me a disposable camera to take and so it always just like I was the annoying kid at primary school blasting a flash in everyone's faces like where's that coming from um it's just always kind of been there so yeah and what what I mean what keeps you there then what what is it about photography you think is so special I don't know, I just get that same feeling, like if I go take photos or something, I'm just as excited to go home and see them and play around. And so that kind of satisfaction's never really worn off. It's always stayed pretty normal. Yeah. Because I have to admit, bro, like I'm one, I, for long, I get it now to a degree, mm -hmm. but I was one of those dudes, like you're saying, the annoying guy that's flashing in people's mm -hmm. faces. I'd always be the one going, oh, go away. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But I have to admit, like, when I do reflect on my teens, don't get me wrong, there's some stuff I'm definitely glad not here to see the light yeah. of day. But there are things as well that I'm like, shit, I wish we captured those yeah, moments. Definitely. And so those, it sounds like you got onto that pretty early and you kind of yeah. have always had a thing for, for that. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. When, when you are shooting something, what are you looking to do? <laughs> that's a big question because and i know it varies from project to project so feel free to yeah, do examples yeah. and make comparisons and stuff to help contextualize that more just something that's going to happen naturally so i don't want to stage it too much so for example with concerts i love doing concerts because they do their thing, I'm in the background. You can't go on stage and be like, hey bro, can you just put your chin up or something? Like, <laughs> you know, it's just happens and you've got to work with it. It's a lot more natural than, yeah. I mean, it sounds so corny to say because I know it's attached to photography so much, but I just can't help but be like, you, you just really enjoy capturing that moment. Is that yeah, yeah, I didn't want to say <laughs> it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking it too, bro. Yeah. I know we're trying to, we're trying to avoid the terminology because yeah. it's, it's been so quantified. But, yeah, exactly. But um, but that's cool. So, so then, <laughs> concerts and stuff, how did that all start out? So I went to school with Sam from Drax Project. Mm -hmm. And I just, they were playing a show at Butler's. And then I just messaged him. I was like, hey, can I come and take photos and that? That went really well and 660's manager saw the photos and was like, hey, you're around this weekend, we've got a show. They were on their 660 Saturdays tour. Yep. So got onto that and then, yeah, it just kind of stemmed from there, really. You've done work there too, eh? Yes. How do you find that concert? Because the only reason I ask specifically about that is because WOMAD's probably one of my most favourite gigs in the world, bro. Yes. I would... What do you find challenging? Uh, <laughs> I would never shoot it again. Yeah? Yeah. Would you like to speak into why or not really? Um, what did I'm you find too fast. It's... I love going to WOMAD and I've been every year for however long. Mm. But... 
I just didn't enjoy shooting it. It was a very, they had a very tight schedule. You need to be here at this time where I think it would be a lot more beneficial if they just said, go, go out and get us yeah. some stuff. Uh, so yeah, I guess when you go to one that you like, you just have that freedom and you just roll around and do whatever you want. So I kind of felt that held back from that. Yeah, it's not reflective in, in yeah. the work, so to speak. So. I'll be going and I might have a camera, but I'm, yeah, I don't want to work for them as such. It makes complete sense though, when you think about the atmosphere of the concert and how it operates and what's involved and then the schedule you're given, it's so contradictory, right? Yeah. So it's hard to, to mesh the two together. Yeah. So I, man, I completely get that. There you go. Any WOMAD, uh, any WOMAD organizers, if you're listening, bit of feedback, yeah. let things uh, flow a bit yeah. more freely. Just let us go, yeah. So tell me about skating then. What is it about skating, do you think, makes skating so cool? What lights you up about skating? I think just what I said before about how you'd go down to East End and it wouldn't matter how old you are, anything like that. It's so like diverse. So yeah, it was just like this big family, I guess, at East End and it was, yeah, it was cool. It is a very accepting culture. Like, bro, yeah. I, I've, I've, I've never skated in my life, mm -hmm. but I used to take along with, um, you know, with boy, with the boys, with yeah. like Damon and Vance and stuff like mm -hmm. that, and I'd come tag along and just I'd just sit there and watch, or yeah. I'd be working on music stuff or whatever low key while they were doing that, yeah. and no one ever was just like, "What are you doing here? You don't even yeah. skate and all yeah. that sort of shit," you know? Like it was, it was awesome. So, um, yeah, I can wholeheartedly vouch to what you're saying there. Yeah, it's mean. And I guess I would have been twelve, thirteen, and I would look up to the next generation and that was like Russell and Andrew Steele and Mark LaHood and all of them so we'd be sitting back and watching them and I remember I brought a t-shirt from Andrew Steele once he did his whole block thing and um, him and Russell turned up and they were going East End and I was going East End so we got to hop in I just felt like the coolest person in the world. <laughs> I was like, I was with Andrew Steele and Russell, like, and now they're like my good friends. So, yeah, it's cool. Full circle, eh? Yeah, yeah. It's it's awesome that 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 big brotherly camaraderie almost has yeah. has come right around. And the cool thing about it is that I know that you you do the same for a lot of other people. You may not realize it, you know, but I know that you there's a lot of people that I know you've made time for. And I think that was evident in the fundraiser and everything else. Um, so it's cool. I, I love how things kind of, that reciprocity of the universe, mm. so to speak, not to get too weary fairy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's amazing how stuff like that can work out. Yeah, because I hopped into the car and Andrew was like, have you met Russell? And I remember saying, I was fully fanning out. I was like, I've, I've seen him in the movies. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Is that what yeah, you yeah, said? Yeah. Oh, that's well, so I've funny. I've seen him in the videos. Yeah. I've seen him in the movies, but I've never met him. I haven't actually told him that. Well, that's funny. He'll yeah. be able to have a listen and have a good laugh. Yeah. And I can hear him, his big, his big ass hearty laugh going yeah. for it right now. So yeah. that's funny. So hopefully, Andrew Russ, if you're listening, 
I hope you're having a good jingle <laughs> at, this, at this revelation that we've had. Um, speaking of revelations, bro, you've been on a bit of a journey lately. Where do we start? Well, I guess let's go from the day before. Tell me about the day before and kind of tell me, take me through it and then obviously we'll get there. Okay. Um, so I was on holiday. And it was yeah, obviously Christmas holidays. And we had just moved into that place. So as you do when you move into a new place, you're still buying things and you got to there's all those things you forget about that you need and sort of back and forth you're out shopping and whatnot and just yeah relaxing and that would have been the 28th of December so just cruising really um, we were going away on a New Year's holiday up north so just waiting for that really and just hanging out yeah, for your holiday yeah and then, so you're moving stuff in. This is this is the day before. Yeah. Yeah. So you're moving stuff in and about, and then what? So the plan is to leave the next day. Mm, on the thirty thirtieth. Oh, cool. So you had a couple of days off to yeah, just stop the house, do the bits and pieces, build an IKEA bed. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then exactly. and then okay, so then what? You go to sleep that night, and then it happens during the night, or Take me through that. So well, that's the day before. Mm -hmm. So the next day, same deal. I was just cruising, went and got a coffee and was just hanging out. And I was, I think it was like plant shopping or something. And I'd just be back and forth from the house and I'd go out again. And I got to the house, hopped out of the car and I could smell gas when I hopped out of the car. But... And I'd walk in the, in the gate and into the house, couldn't smell anything. So just didn't think anything of it. And then I was popping in and out again, and that was that. And you get immune to the smell of gas, so it would have just left. And you just wouldn't have thought anything of it. And Letitia and I, my girlfriend, who lived there as well, we went and I think we got Burger King maybe and we were just yeah we went and like ate it at the port drove home hopping into bed yeah and lit a candle didn't think anything of it and yeah then that's how it what do you remember lighting the candle so literally as fast as the lighter went up was as fast as everything went up. It was, everything was in flames straight away. And it was like slow motion, blue flames just went up my arms and into my face. And yeah, it was real quick. And where's Letitia when this is happening? So she's probably, from me to you but I was standing at the end of the bed she was in bed so I had the duvet over it and I guess from reaction she pulled the cover up just as you would yep. just 
how I close my eyes. And if I didn't, I probably yeah, would not. Wouldn't have any eyes? Nah. Far up. So I guess it's yeah, that initial reaction. So those defense mechanisms yeah, kick in, yeah, those get cognitive shit. Yeah. So well, it's just like getting a fright, really. So you're in a s small room. How big's the room? Um, it's pretty standard size yeah. room. Yeah. Like a sort of two by two sort of room, or a bit bigger, or yeah, yeah. And so the flames go up. Now is is the room on fire at this stage? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. So then. Are you looking around trying to find an exit? No, so I stood there, waited for Letitia to get next to me, because she was further into the house than I was. So she jumped over the bed, was next to me, and then it was like, okay, let's get out of here. And right behind me was the front door. So I tried to open that, but that wouldn't open because the initial source of the fire was behind that front door. Mm. So we ran down the hallway and... and so it wouldn't open because like the pressure from the other side or...? The, the metal uh, door handle was just way too hot to touch. Um, I couldn't... So when you try to grip it, yeah, it, it fucking burned you? Yeah. It's pretty... It's a bit of a blur, but yeah. Mm. So we yeah, ran down the hallway into the lounge and out onto a balcony. And there was no stairs or anything off the balcony. So we were kind of standing there, just like in shock, thinking we were going to have to jump. And we kind of just stood there. And by this point, the whole street was out on the road. And, um, Obviously, Kerry was living downstairs, so it's a it was a two bedroom house, but it was kind of cut into two, so there was no they cut out the stairway and it was just basically two flats. Mm. So Kerry was we we're up on the deck. Kerry was down, and then yeah, people were all out on the street because obviously it was such a loud sound and mm. whatnot. Yeah. So then, just to paint the picture, I guess, for people listening as well. So you've got a two-story place. Mm -hmm. The front door to the place is at street level. Yeah. And then the downstairs exit is, is kind of a bit down, right? Yes. Yeah. And so what they had done is they had, instead of it being a two-story house, they had separated the house into an upstairs and downstairs, so effectively there's two apartments, so to speak. Yep. And so that's why you went to go through the door that was street level. Mm -hmm. Couldn't. And then had to go out the back just to get away from the heat. Yep. And that was above the other door to the below apartment, yes. right? Yeah. So Kerry's front door, we were above that. So then he comes out. Yep. And he sees you guys. Mm -hmm. And he helps you down. Is that right? Yes. So we kind of stood there in shock. And then the ladder just came up. And yeah, luckily Kerry had a ladder there. And we down and got away from the house so we just went and stood out on the street mm -hmm. yeah, it was just it was a weird feeling like I remembered looking back at the house like 
up and then I wake up saying like this is just a dream like and that's what I've noticed kind of on what you've said so far is that you know you've you've, you've looked at a lot of the house you've looked for Letitia you've looked for Kerry and all these parts there's been no ref there's been no introspection yet there's been no kind of shit what's happening to me just mm -hmm. yet so is it is it fair to say that that kind of really hasn't clicked in yet well going back to when the front door wouldn't open mm. i remember thinking okay i'm about to die oh. like this is this is it like when that front door didn't open there was just flames everywhere and there was just no way out so i remember thinking that oh. and then i was like okay we can go to the balcony so the floor wasn't on fire just pretty much every fucking thing else. Yes. Yeah. And and you could see. Yes. It wasn't or, smoked out just yet, or no. Okay. Yeah. So then you're outside. You're looking at the house. You're thinking, I'm gonna wake up soon. Then what? Then the there's a lady who lived across the street. She was like, come with me, come get your um, hands under the cold water. Because it was really obvious that my hands were bad. And so we went into her bathroom and I was standing in her bath with my hands in, under the running water. And that's, we just waited for the ambulances to arrive and whatnot. So at this point you're thinking, I'm sweet, I've just got fucked hands? Um, it wasn't even like fucked hands, it was just like, I thought I had like a few burns, like, you know, no, no biggie. Mm. I was more worried about Kerry's dog, <laughs> to be honest. I was like thinking like, oh man, I hope this dog's out. And thinking, yeah. Obviously checking on Letitia, checking on Kerry, because obviously they were in there as well. Mm. So then, how does how do you go from there, segueing into learning that it's a bit more serious than what you thought? So it's still a bit of a process, really, because I hopped. The paramedic arrived, and I was in the still standing in the bath, with my hands under the water. And the paramedic arrived saying, all right, we need to get you into the shower. So they cut all my clothes off and I got into the shower and they, it was just cold water and they just made me do circles. I was just rotating in the shower for, I guess they like observed and like tried to see the burns and whatnot. And also, it's just good to have the running cold water of you. For sure. And so that was 40, 45 minutes in the shower. And my biggest concern was I was cold. I was just freezing under this cold water. 45 minutes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty torturous. And then... They turned the shower off and he said to me, we need to fly you to Hamilton right now. And I was thinking, no, it's all good. Like, 
I'll just, I was thinking to myself, I'll go home, but obviously I couldn't go home, so I was, but yeah, I did not think I was, I don't want to go to hospital and waste of time. And I honestly thought I was fine. Yeah, well, like even, there's been no mention of pain from you yet. No. So, to me, that really stands out. Yeah. I'm like, holy fuck, like, you've taken me through mm -hmm. an explosion. Yeah. Running through a place, so going yeah, down the still, ladder. We're probably an hour later now. And, yeah, nothing. Like, obviously, I could see my hands were bad and whatnot. There was skin peeling off everywhere. But just running on pure adrenaline and didn't feel anything. And then got out of the shower and they put me onto a stretcher and that's when the adrenaline wore off and I could yeah I could definitely feel the pain then. When you got out of the shower? Yep. So fuck this is a fucking weird question to ask bro but I'm gonna ask can you kind of describe what that felt like? It was just a lot of pain and a lot of shock so i was just shaking and the landlord was also there at this point um carol who yeah we know quite well and i just remember being in the stretcher in so much pain shaking and i'd just burn her house down i'm just so stressed about the pain but then also she's there and i'm just i'm so sorry i've just burnt your house down i just kept saying sorry to her just felt terrible so there was just so much shock and yeah so many ways i guess yes there's the pain and the shock of what happened and then i've just burnt this lady's house down and you're about to go to hamilton yeah it's a lot to process bro yeah so i was just shaking just freaking out and then they i that's when i don't really remember mm. so they i think it was ketamine maybe so they gave me some form of pain relief and i was just out to it for the ambulance ride to the hospital here and then I remember I was in the hospital here and there was just people everywhere. Waiting for you ready to go? No, so I was in the hospital bed but it was in the middle of a room and there was just people all around so Letitia was to my right and my auntie for people there, fuck. yeah so my auntie and uncle had arrived um, my parents were in kinlock at the time and over by total yeah yeah so yeah i don't know how it happened but my auntie and uncle were there and then just doctors and nurses everywhere trying to decide where I should go and if they put me to sleep or not because there was a chance that my lungs would something would happen to them while I was in the helicopter mm, okay. so 
they put me to sleep to yeah not risk that yep so yeah the hospital is such a blur that I yeah I would have been there for a few hours and then they put me to sleep and I just remember saying goodbye to Letitia and to my auntie and uncle and then they put me to sleep and then yeah just no memory from there so that was the last time that you were awake until like you coming to yeah so that was the beginning of your like three weeks yes yeah because I know this. I mean, this is the part where I guess I'm I'm unconscious of how I say things and how I word things, and I know that you know that I've got no intent to. I don't mind. Yeah, yeah, and but that three weeks. What is your understanding of what happened during that three weeks? Obviously. You've learned retrospectively, or you're piecing stuff as much as you can together. Yeah. So what I was seeing, or what was actually happening? Oh well, well, okay. <laughs> it's what were you seeing? For me, that I don't, I don't know if it was three weeks or however long, mm-hmm. but it was just one big nightmare. Like literally. I've looked into it and it's very common to just have one long dream if you're in a coma. But it was just, yeah, the hospital was on fire. The nurses were doing real bad things to me. Um, All kinds of crazy stuff. But the weirdest thing is the people that were visiting me were the people that in the dreams so there was people that I haven't seen in years like family and then I'd be dreaming of them so now now that I've obviously come to it I'll hear stories of like oh they came to visit or whatever and I'll be like man they were in my dream and like For example, my cousin, who I haven't seen in years, I said about that fire that was in the hospital in my dream. My cousin, who I hadn't seen in years, was one of the firefighters that rescued me. Just weird, weird stuff like that. And I remember when we caught up um, for the first time after after the incident, mm-hmm. you mentioned um, you saw like a little Polynesian girl. Yes. Yeah. Tell me about that, because I remember when you told me that, I was like, Whoa. like, yeah. I wouldn't like. <laughs> it's gonna sound sound so bad out of context. I'm not saying that Polynesian girls are a nightmare, but with considering the context of what you've got going on, your description of that, and then kind of how that played out in quote-unquote reality mm-hmm. that's a trip yeah so take us through so it was kind of in the middle of 
the nurses were doing all these bad things to me and I kind of thought people were stealing money from me and all kinds of stuff. And the nurse came into the room and said, Letitia's here to see you. And I remember very clearly this girl walked in and it was not Letitia. It was, yeah, like you say, it was a little Polynesian girl. And when you say little, do you mean like a, like a child or, or just like uh, little just as a small, picture? Small. And yeah, I told Letitia that I dreamt that and she told me, yeah, that, that happened. I came into the room and you said, it's not me. And so you were conscious at this point, or no, still? No, I was still in a coma. But you were talking? Is it what the teacher yeah. was saying? Yeah, yeah, so the nurse, because when you're in a coma, they still talk to you a lot. Mm. And the nurse said, well, he's just here to see you, and I was out to it, but I was, I don't know, flicking my eyes or something. And yeah. Yeah. It's, was getting really agitated like that's not her so she left and that would have been yeah really hard for her oh man I, yeah crazy and so that's like i mean i know we keep saying three weeks but we kind of don't really know the time length i guess or yeah. or do you know um, more? well so it was i think it was 12 12 days in a coma and then even coming out of the coma, you're still on so many drugs, you, I don't remember anything. Yeah, there's no like definitive moment of like no. being out of the coma now, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's like a, yeah. there's a big time period. So then, how have you been able to fill in that gap? Or those, do you know that? Because that's. I mean, or even have you been able to fill in that gap? No. Because that's a long time to have a nightmare, bro. Yeah. Fucking three-week nightmare. Yeah. So what What actually was happening was a lot of surgeries, a lot of skin graft surgeries and whatever they had to do, really. Um, yeah, just... But yeah, I don't really know what went on. Even even now, in retrospect, from what people have been able to tell you and things, you still haven't quite... Yeah. Like, I know the, the gist of it. You know the facts, eh, I guess, or like yeah. the... the uh, what's the word? Like, the story, I guess. Yeah. So, I've applied for the medical records, mm -hmm. and that's a very detailed thing of what went on to like every time so it's that detailed like they say whatever time it was past urine so like very detailed about everything that happened yep and so yeah i'm kind of just waiting for those again and once again <laughs> I know you've said, like, just go hard, I've got a green light, but I, I am mindful of asking this shit. That missing time, mm -hmm. it's got to be fucking with you, right? A little yeah. bit? 
Yeah. And, and like, oh, how? What, what's, what, what's going through your mind? What are your emotions towards it? How are you feeling about it? What's, what's it taken from you or what's it given to you? You know, like what's... Just, it's, it's just frustrating. Like it's such a blur and it's frustrating that I can't put it together. Mm. Yeah, and it's just a weird feeling, just losing that time. Like my friends would come visit and they'd tell me about something and I'd kind of realise like, holy shit, it's three weeks later, like what's, what's going on? Yeah. So on the flip side, and this might seem like a silly question, and I can imagine some viewers or listeners are going to get fucked off with me asking this. Why is it important to you to get that three weeks back? Just... Mm, I don't know if it's important to me okay. to get back. Yeah, I don't know. It's more, it's just a weird feeling. Like that's, yeah, all I can really. Put it down to? Yeah. Yeah. Just feels weird to have that time period missing. Yeah. Of sorts. So it seems like, bro, from, from our conversation and our continued conversation and this other stuff that you seem to be working on, that you're... Like you're diligently going about finding out what's going on. So what is, yeah. I mean, and not even just like finding out, okay, what happened during that time, but also finding ways to, I guess, contextualize or document your emotion or what you're going through with everything that's gone on. Yeah. Um, so tell us about that. Yeah, I've gone full like Sherlock Holmes on it. Yeah, just the more information, the better. And that's just kind of my way of dealing with it. Like, I guess the first example of that would be going back to the house when I did get home. Mm -hmm. Because obviously there was the whole hospital experience and my parents and friends and family would tell me about stuff that's been going on. But I wouldn't really be doing like my research at that point. So the first thing I remember of like going out of my way to put pieces together would be going back to the house. And how was that when you went back there? It was really good. Yeah? Yeah. A lot of people, like I'll show them photos or something and they'll say, how did how did it feel going back there and yeah weirdly it was really good just a lot of people had gone through so a lot of my friends and family had been to the house and they'd gone in and looked for stuff or whatever and it was just a weird feeling like having lots of people go through and I haven't seen it myself so just yeah and even seeing it explained why I got burnt where I did and 
Yeah, it was just good, good closure, I suppose. How have you put together a certain piece of the puzzle by the sounds of it? Mm. No, so, because I didn't realize that until you say now, you obviously got told, oh, this got burnt from this happening. When you got to the house, you want to see, ah, oh, that's. Yeah, well, my back is really bad. And you light a candle, flames come at you. It's weird that my back got burnt, but my chest didn't. So that was always quite confusing. Mm -hmm. But when you when I went and saw the house, what was behind me was the worst. So it made sense that it came from there and hit. Behind you? Yeah. And that was the source of gas? I guess here we haven't even cleared up what it was <laughs> so there was a crack in a gas pipe under the road and it was pointing towards the house and it went through the soil and into the walls and whatnot so the way i was standing so the gas kind of like seeped into the house sort of yes Seeping's kind of a weird word for it because it was 500,000 litres that came out of the pipe. So, so that was all lined in the walls and it stuff? It was more, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So, yeah, it did, but... Yeah, see... Seeping sounds like a slow process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 500,000 litres, it must have been like blasting out high pressure I suppose okay so then what's what goes through your mind then when you find out about the source of it and where it come from when you first got told what actual because before you thought it was your fault or that you you know mm -hmm. you, you you were apologizing to your landlord even though you're getting carted off you come to realize that there's something else that's happened yeah what what processes through you then I was I haven't really thought of it but it would have been good like a good feeling because I know it wasn't my landlord's fault it wasn't anything to do with the house no one like around me was at fault mm. so yeah it was yeah it was a good feeling I guess so then you went to the house and you identify the source of it um, coming from the pipe I guess I kind of knew about that before going to the house mm -hmm. it was more seeing like like I said about the front door and what was behind the, well yeah behind the front door and on the front porch it's just a mess mm. so that would have been I remember when you were showing me those photos and stuff and I was like <laughs> and I, I realise now kind of fucking how insensitive I was probably being because I just remember seeing the photos and being like what the fuck oh, yeah, that's... like the rubbish bin being destroyed yeah. um, but that's how it is yeah and tell us because I remember when it went down obviously as you said before it was like Christmas time mm -hmm. so the busiest time ever for a photographer yeah um 
So what is your understanding about how all that was managed? Because obviously you were booked up for summer, right? Yeah, so... When I kind of came to it, obviously there's a lot of stress of so many things. One of them was, oh shit, I've got these weddings. What's going to happen with them? Because that's, you know, it's a big thing. Like people book those so far in advance and it's a massive day for people. So you do kind of feel that pressure. And I think I was just, yeah, got really worked up. And I think I said to my mum, who was at the hospital at the time, and like, what about the weddings? And she's like, don't worry, it's all sorted. Like, you don't need to worry about anything. Just focus on recovering. Was that hard? Because you strike me as someone... And as I say, bro, like I'm, we're not super tight or anything, but just from what I have learned about you and what I've gotten to know you recently, as we've talked more, is that you've, like even with you doing your own investigation into what it's actually happened, you very much like to do stuff yourself, right? Yeah. So to have, to be told, flag it and just look after your own recovery, yeah. was that tough? Yeah. Yeah, still is. Yeah. Yeah. Just so thankful to Mark Lahood and Kate Lahood and Sophie who yeah just sorted it all and so Mark and Kate did the weddings. Awesome. And yeah. So when and tell me if I'm wrong here, but I can imagine that in these moments bro a lot of negative self talk can take place. Like, you can kind of be saying to yourself, fuck, man, you've let these people down and stuff. Does that happen or no? Is that, that never happens? It's a lot of, um, feel like I'm in a lot of debt to a lot of people, mm. for sure. Um, at the start, I still blamed myself for what happened. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, the more I find out about the pipe and all of that, it, um, that gets taken away. Yeah. But, yeah, not, not a lot of like, how you say, negative. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Like, I'm yeah. stoked. I just, I had to ask. Yeah. I wanted to be sure. Yeah. Because, yeah, if you were going through that, then. I'm sure people would have been screaming at the screen or their phone or whatever they're listening to us chat right now yeah. and channeling to me to tell you that you don't need to. Mm. But if we don't need to have that conversation, then we don't yeah. need to have that conversation. Like, I've got a pretty heavy past with depression and anxiety. Mm. So when I did come to it and started to think about what had happened, I remember thinking to myself, this is really gonna fuck me up mentally so when people say how are you coping mentally i'm always really surprised and answering like i'm actually doing really good mm. and i think like we're talking about with 
putting things together and investigating that's just been massive for me part of your and, process yeah so let's touch on that stuff quickly then i mean i don't necessarily want you to dive into what went on in the past but do you think there's been lessons or tools from that time that you've been able to apply to what's going on yeah definitely i think if it happened a few years ago it would have been a completely different story mentally mm. what's the difference um therapy yep. <laughs> a lot of um, yeah just coming happier just with yourself and yeah just a lot more in place to help deal with the event yeah as opposed to a couple of years ago if you'd mm. gone through it you might not have had those tools in place yet yeah so what so what is it what does the next few years look like for you now bro it is obviously going to be a bit of a recovery period right yeah so i've still got lots of appointments every week and checkups and obviously see a therapist and like I say, I'm doing good mentally. I obviously have my moments for sure. Of course, yeah. But I guess I say I'm doing good considering. So, yeah, there's therapy and a lot of doctor's appointments, a lot of medication, these things that I'm wearing here, the compression garments. I had to wear them 23 hours a day for two years. Sure. Yeah and yeah a lot of different like creams and i have to wear these silicon sheets on my face every night so i use those when i sleep and how is, is that done on like a mask or is it just like a big ass sheet a, that put on? it's basically like that but it's like strips that i cut up to where they need to go okay yeah and how about in the do you have any sort of like rehab stuff that you have to do? Is that what you meant by therapy? You just yeah. Oh, okay. Do you have like therapy as well where you speak to people about the event? Like a counselling sort of therapy? Or is it more just physical therapy? Oh, yeah. When I say therapy, I mean like talking. Cool. Yeah. Wasn't too sure if you yeah. the like a physical so, stuff. Yeah, with a psychologist, yeah. So actually, let's talk about that because I know... Like we've touched on therapy a bit i've been to therapy and i know there's a lot of people who avoid therapy or it's a bit of a taboo word mm -hmm. what how does therapy help you um well i'm just gonna completely throw it out there i've tried to commit suicide twice in the past so therapy for me was really just people that were supporting me saying you need to go to therapy because that's the you know that's what you do mm. 
and when you are in that state, you don't want to go. And but yeah, having that support forcing me to go, and it just helped. Yeah, just talking about it, talking everything through, and they're obviously really trained to dive into whatever they need to dive into and make you realize things that you didn't realize. Mm -hmm. Were there, when you started first going, started going to therapy, you obviously, well, okay, not obviously, but did you, because I know I did, have big assumptions around what it was going to look like and what it actually was? No, I guess I was... I was just in like such a dark place that I just... My mindset was no one can help. Mm. So I kind of just go in pretty stubborn, I suppose. And... Yeah, they... They were, yeah, really good. They worked their voodoo yeah, magic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who was it that would drag you along and make you go? Um, my parents, friends, yeah. They all used to get together and hold you accountable to appointments and shit? Yeah. Were there ever times that, like, that was really hard for them to do? Like they, they took you basically kicking and screaming? No, no, no. I was never, I guess that's a massive thing when you are feeling like that, you don't wanna, you don't wanna hurt anyone. Mm. So it was more, I'll go for them. And I guess that's that stubborn thing again, like, I'm going for them. This isn't going to help me. But, but you're going but for it them. it did help me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, call it, I call it Trojan horsing. Like, you kind of, you sneak in a reason, but it's not the real reason. That's just the reason that gets you behind the gates almost. Mm -hmm. And then the other reasons go out and they actually find their way. It sounds like a little bit that kind of resonates with what you've mentioned. Yeah. Well, before before we shut it down, um, one question I always ask every guest that comes on is: um, there's someone listening right now who's not in the great greatest place. Mm -hmm. uh, bearing in mind you're not a mental health professional, of course, but what would your I hate using the word advice. What would your invitation be? Or what would you like to let them know in terms of navigating that space? I mean, we've spoken about your own experiences, but we've also spoken about your most recent experience with the, um, the fire too, because yeah. obviously there were times where you were freaking the fuck out. Mm -hmm. um, so navigating that, what would your advice be to that person listening? I hate to say it because when I was in such a dark place, mm. I would hate hearing it. But talking just helped so much. And like, I remember being in that space and so many people would be like, talk to your friends, 
talk to a therapist, but honestly, it just helps so much. Is there like a, is there like a key moment for you? Because I know everyone's individual, right? So mm -hmm. we can't say, well, maybe we can, but I don't feel like I can say, or I don't feel like I've got the right to say, like, this is what you can do to get over that hump, I guess. Mm -hmm. What was, now that you can look at it in retrospect, yeah. what do you think was that transitional moment for you where it was like, ah, oh, talking's not going to do anything, it's reductive, it's not actually going to help. And then what can you remember, even if it's a series of events, I mean, it's obviously hard to pinpoint a singular moment. Yeah. But what kind of change do you think in retrospect where you actually opened up and thought, actually, talking is fucking the way to go? I think, like, I would have first reached out to some friends because people would say, talk to your friends and whatnot. And that was the thing that was just recommended. Mm -hmm. And that would become a thing. So whenever I felt like that, I would talk to friends. And... I would still be in my mindset like so cliche like talk to someone but then I realized like whenever I do feel like that I do talk to someone you know so, you were doing it anyway yeah yeah so it's like oh holy shit that actually yeah there's some validity, yeah. validity there's some merit there yeah and also like I went to a therapist and it was horrible and I think a lot of people go to a therapist and they're like, no, that doesn't work for me. It's a process for sure, finding the right person. Like I've been to six different therapists or however many, mm. and that's nothing against them. It's just, you've got to click. So yeah, don't, I guess, yeah. That would definitely be a piece of advice and this has come up a lot lately so i'm glad you bring that up because it's happened with other, other conversations i've had mm -hmm. that would definitely be something i'd like to reiterate as well if you aren't clicking with a therapist that you go and see don't think that that is therapy yeah. that's just that one therapist yeah and to go and like it sounds reductive but you know shop around yeah have a look go to different people and give you know, look for that partnership, I guess. For sure. Where, where that person happens. that you didn't click with could be amazing at their job, but it's just... Yeah. Yeah. Like, someone who's awesome at speaking to you might be different with me, you know? Yeah. And that's that's what we need to remember too. So I'm glad you bring that up, because I forget to talk about that. And I think that's so important, is that we, you know, we recognise that, okay, it didn't work with that person, let's try someone else. Yeah. And even when you do find that right person, it will still take you maybe half a dozen sessions yeah. before you get into it. You're right. It is a process. Yeah. With everything you've got. So what else is on the list, bro? You've gone to look at the house. Um, you're, it sounds like you might be putting together some photography and documenting your healing process. Is that right? Um, yes. That's just me shooting in the dark from yeah. what I've heard and seen. So... So I take a lot of my photos on film, old, like old film. Mm -hmm. Describe the film. Obviously, you know, you it's like you went to, but I obviously don't know. But listeners might. What what sort of film are you using? Just like you know, what you 
your grandparents were using back in the day. And but your collection's fucking cool. And that's coming from someone who doesn't even really know that space. Yeah. And I had a lot of film in the house where the fire was. And there was a cabinet that was the furthest point away from the fire. And somehow that film survived. So I had that. So I've used all of that film to take photos of the house and the hospital and recovery process and we are making a book and just of all of that. So all the photos in there will be from that film that survived the fire and it's called 291220 which was the date. And we will be launching that exactly six months after the fire, which is the end of this month. Mm -hmm. So it'll yeah, kind of ties in. What's the what would you say the goal of the book is? Just documenting the whole process and like all the money from the profits of the book will go to. We haven't fully locked in a cause, but it'll be one of the frontliners. So, yeah, just trying to give back, I guess, because I've obviously had a lot of support and hopefully. Speaking of support, I'm glad you said that because it reminded me we nearly got to wrap up before I mentioned this. The auction. Yeah. Tell me about that when you heard that was going down and kind of what you felt and what went through you when you found out about the auction and even the results of the auction and how the auction helped and everything like that. I heard about it and I was like blown away for sure. But that was really early on. So when it kind of was getting planned, I suppose. And then my, I remember my dad would come into the hospital and he would show me the Instagram page. And there was all these people donating stuff. And that's when I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. And just yeah, overwhelmed. Like so grateful. Mm. And so... Then the night goes there, because you actually in your Plymouth the night that it happened, right? You so come I, back. yeah, I flew back from Hamilton that day, and yeah, I was in hospital here for 10 days, but yeah, I got back that day, so it was pretty cool. And then how was, um, I guess, how was that, it's, I know it's a silly question, but I just, I, I love hearing you talk about it. How was that helpful in terms of like the, the support of the community and stuff like that? Like how the auction was. Mm. Not not the financial guess, side, but just no, knowing that yeah. these people would come together for you. It, yeah, honestly, just overwhelming. Like, just felt super supportive. And I think, like I said, keep saying, like I'm doing really good mentally considering. I feel like that is massive towards it. Mm. For sure. Just knowing that all these people going together for you, eh? Just gives yeah. you a little bit more zest. Yeah. 
Well, before we rock and roll, bro, is there any kind of parting word or anything you want to mention that you feel like we haven't covered or just something you want to, I guess, communicate that you feel needs to be communicated in this moment? Well, fuck, if you smell gas, I'd probably call someone. <laughs> awesome, bro. From, from, yeah, from me to you, and I know from a lot of people that will listen and that are listening right now, um, who'll be feeling all sorts of things and they'll be cheering you on in those moments that you're willing to talk about some pretty tough stuff. Um, they'll be cracking up in those moments where you talked about, you know, feeling like a little kid and getting the car ride with your idols. Yeah. Um, you know, because I have those moments too. Um, there'll be all sorts of that. So behalf of everyone listening, bro, and myself, man, thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you. And uh, I look forward to seeing whatever becomes of all these projects that you've got going on. Cool. Thank you. That's oh, good to good to get it out there because yeah it is a small town and there's a lot of rumors and yeah it's good to tell the story sweet bro cool there it was Fano catch up with Ben Darth and having a quarter all about Everything from getting into photography to growing up and getting to meet some of his skate idols uh, to then obviously the big fire that happened to him uh, Christmas just gone of 2020. So pretty crazy corridor. Once again, those numbers, if you need to talk to someone because some pretty heavy things covered in that corridor, you can talk to a trained counsellor 24-7 on the Depression Helpline on 0800 757 that's 0800-111-757. Or you can text the talk now to 1737. Don't forget, leave us a review on all platforms, Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff. Instagram, Facebook, leave us reviews everywhere and there. Let us know what you thought of the episode. If you're not already following, make sure you do follow. And don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube as well. We've got a website coming very, very soon. Excited to be launching that in the very near future. So keep an ear out for that one. For now, you can head to bestside.co.nz. Don't forget to spell it with three I's, bestside.co.nz, and you can register your email there too uh, to get the early jump on what's going to be happening with that site. Nuredi, to be finally an awesome pleasure to have you with us today. Once again, shout out to the bro Ben for joining me on the podcast, and we'll speak to you all very, very soon. Hey, Kone.